0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's Gospel comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount which covers three chapters in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're at the very end of chapter 5 in today's Gospel. And one way to understand the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus, in, this, in these teachings, He is painting a picture of what it looks like to be one of His followers, to be one of His disciples. He has this big crowd of people that are interesting, interested in following him. And so he lays out, all right, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a Christian, then you're going to have to be salt and light in the midst of the world. You can't just live for yourself. You're going to have to do good and witness to those around you. He says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to pray and fast and give alms. If you want to follow me, You can't have anxiety about tomorrow. You have to trust that your Heavenly Father will provide for you. If you want to follow Me, as He lays out in the Beatitudes, you have to make sure that your reward that you're seeking is in the next life, not in this one. And then today, Jesus lays down another condition, if you will, for following Him, which is how a disciple is to react when someone else inflicts evil upon them. This is one of, in my personal opinion, one of the hardest teachings of our Lord. And to understand why this is a hard teaching, we have to sort of back up. So at many points in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is fulfilling the Mosaic law, the law given to Moses. So he'll say, He'll use the same phrase over and over. He'll say, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is the Mosaic law. But I say to you, X, Y, Z, and he fulfills the law, he perfects it. To understand his fulfillment of this particular aspect of the moral life, of how to react when someone else inflicts evil upon us, we have to back up even further than the Mosaic law. So what was people's typical reaction, you might say, prior to even the Law of Moses? What would your average person do when someone else did evil to them? Typically, human nature affected by original sin, our natural inclination is to pay the other person back with more evil than they gave to us. You might call this the Law of Vengeance. It's expressly forbidden in the Old Testament. We heard that in the passage from Leviticus. So if you punch me in the face, I'm going to break your leg. That's the logic. You steal my horse, you're a horse thief, I'm going to burn down your whole house. This is the law of of vengeance. And it's forbidden in the Old Testament, of course, that means it's also going to be forbidden in the New And so when the Mosaic Law comes along, this law that God gives to Moses, and it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we hear that and oftentimes people say, ah, it's so barbaric. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Let me tell you, that was a vast improvement upon the normal way that people were living at that time. A huge improvement. That there are limits on what you can give back to somebody when they hurt you. Okay, somebody knocks your eye out. You can take their eye out, but no more. You can't break their leg. You can't break their arm. can't burn down their house. You certainly can't kill them. There's a a limit. So the Lord, even in the old law, is beginning to plant these seeds of self-control, self-discipline, self-restraint. And then it will eventually be fulfilled with the law that Jesus lays down in the Gospel today. And I think it's helpful to ask ourselves, I mean, how many of us have fallen prey many times in our life to the, what we would call the law of vengeance? Right? Affected as we are by original sin, somebody hurts us, we want to get back at them two times over. That's, that's sort of the barbaric way of living that's even pre-Mosaic <laughs> law. How many of us have consistently enough self-restraint to even pay someone back on equal terms you can see already that even the Mosaic law requires a great deal of virtue. It's not easy. It's not easy to live that type of of self-discipline. And then Jesus comes along in the gospel today and what does he do? (laughs) As he does throughout the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he raises the bar significantly. Significantly. I, I point out One way to to look look at this particular passage is that he raises the bar four times, actually. He says, these are, for my followers, if you wanna follow me and someone does evil to you, these are four ways that I'm going to move beyond the Mosaic law. And this is a hard teaching. If you pay close attention to what Jesus says here, this is not easy. I'll explain later on, of course, he gives us the grace to do it, which is the caveat. But it's not easy. In fact, without grace, it's actually impossible. The first thing he says is if you want to follow me, if you want to be a Christian, when someone does evil to you, you are not allowed to return evil to them in any way, shape, or form. Not even the smallest bit. Now, I think a helpful distinction here is is to point out that fraternal correction, which is where we point out someone else's fault, that's not returning evil to them. That's actually an act of charity. So many times we are obligated to point out the evil that someone has done, but that's very different than inflicting some evil upon them ourselves, even of the smallest kind, right? Imagine the person maybe who's hurt you the most in your life. What is the law that Jesus is laying down here? You're not even, we are not even permitted as Christians to adopt a harsh, biting tone with such a person. This is not easy. This is a high bar that Jesus is holding out to us. It doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have to be very direct with someone, even forceful in our language, but it can never have a hint of hatred or animosity to it. Not even the smallest bit. This is is the bar that Jesus is holding out. And he presses on further. That's level one. (laughs) We cannot retaliate. We cannot give evil back to evil, no matter what the circumstance. Level two, he says we have to even be willing, we have to have a disposition to receive more evil from that person. There will be exceptions from this, which I'll highlight in a second. But in our soul, we need to have a disposition to receive more. He says, when someone hits you on your right cheek, not only are you not to retaliate, you are to turn and offer the other one as well. You are to have a disposition that is willing to suffer even more. When someone takes your tunic, You are not only to give them, and and he says here explicitly, when they sue you for your tunic. They take you to court for your tunic. So this is an aggressive thing. This is not just them asking asking for your charity. They take you to court for your tunic. Not only are you to give them your tunic, but your cloak as well. In other words, all your clothes. If someone presses you into service, which is sort of a weak translation, it really puts you into forced labor. Someone forces you to go one mile, you, you do more than that. You go too. You have this disposition to receive even more evil than the person is giving you. You have, you have to be like a sponge, Jesus is saying. A willingness to soak it up. We'll explain why this makes sense later. But this is, this is level two. Already you can see how impossible <laughs> almost these mandates seem. Lord, this, this seems like it's, it's, nobody is capable of doing this, right? No retaliation and a willingness to receive even more. He goes on. Layer three, he says, not only are you not to retaliate against this person who's making themselves out to be your enemy, not only do you need to have a willingness to receive more from them, but you have to love them. What does that mean? That means we have to want good things for this person. We have to want them to be blessed by God, above all, by conversion, heart, and repentance. But we have to love them. We have to be willing to do good to them. Somebody hurts us in a significant way at, at 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, we have to be willing at 3 o'clock, if they need our help, to come to their service. That's the way of life that, that Jesus is, is laying out here. And he doesn't stop there, he goes on, he says, not only do we have to do good to them, do we have to love them, but we have to ask God to do good to them. We have to pray for them. Right. Pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, he says. The bar that, that Jesus takes the Mosaic Law and sort of blows it up and, and, and stakes out this expectation for his followers that seems absolutely unreasonable in many ways absolutely impossible like who Lord has the capacity to to be that patient and perseverant in the face of of evil this is this is a hard hard teaching friends to give you sort of paint a picture of maybe trying to as i was thinking about this i was like what is the most dramatic example of this that i could think of to really get the point across of what jesus is asking of his followers so here's what i came up with it's not perfect but imagine that you were in a concentration camp in World War II, and you're there, you're emaciated, you're malnourished, you're fatigued, you're cold, you're hungry, you're, you're mocked and abused and beaten, like everything you can imagine 24 seven, it's suffering inflicted by people who to you seem to be just complete monsters. So you're there in the concentration camp, and you remember, as a believer, you remember the Lord's words in the Sermon on the Mount. And you think to yourself, you sort of start a conversation with the Lord, Lord, do you really expect, do you really expect me to suffer this day and night and to not even, when I walk past one of the Nazi guards, to not even give him a small piece of my mind, just for five seconds. You're saying, I I can't even do that. And Jesus says, Well, when you put me on the cross, when you scourged me in the back with your sins, did I give you even a five-second insult? No, he didn't. So then we maybe we were willing to press on from there after receiving that sort of knife in the heart from our Lord. We press on and we say, Lord, do you do you honestly expect me in this place which is hell on earth to have a posture of open hands to receive even even more than what I'm currently receiving? To turn the other... When I literally get hit in the cheek by one of these guards, do you really want me to turn the other cheek? And Jesus responds in the same way. He said, well, when you scourged me once in the back, did I... Did I cease exposing my back to receive, you know, the fruit of your sin? When you put one nail in my left hand on the cross, did I not stretch out my other hand to also be nailed? He says to us, I'm not asking you to do anything that I myself have not done. And I'll give you the grace to do it if you trust me. And we might press on and... (laughs) If we really want to test the Lord and say, Lord, like you've given some good arguments, Lord. (laughs) But do do you honestly want me when I'm walking by rank and file and I see a guard right next to me sort of slip in the mud and hit himself on a rock, do you honestly expect me to go over and help him up? This man who has beaten me and my family and put me through hell, Do you honestly expect me, Jesus, to go and help that man out of the mud? To do good to him? To love him in that little way? Jesus says, I do. How many times have you crucified me with your sins over and over again and I continue to shower you with blessings? I continue to give you life, continue to give you your friends, continue to give you grace, Yeah, I do expect you to go over and and help him up. Maybe we press on one final time. We say, Lord, I fall asleep at night in a bunk that's overcrowded, that smells of filth, it's filled with lice, I'm cold, I'm, I'm emaciated, I'm malnourished. Do you really think, Lord, that I am supposed to fall asleep praying For those men that are playing cards over there in their their comfortable building that, that that have put me and my family and my people through every hellish suffering possible. Do you expect me to fall asleep praying for them? And Jesus says, I do. What do you think I did on the cross? While you were putting me there through your sins, I prayed for you. I prayed for you because you did not know what you were doing. This is the way of the Christian life, friends. The bar that Jesus holds out for us, this is not possible with human strength. But with God, all things are possible. If you trust him, if you try and live this way of life, he will give you the grace that you need but we have to understand where the bar is. It is otherworldly. I, I heard once Bishop Barron mention something about Christianity that I thought was, was so keenly insightful. He said, Christianity is a religion where the way of life involves extreme demands, but also when we fail, it involves extreme mercy. Extreme mercy. You might say it also involves extreme grace. Because to live in that way, oh, that, that requires amazing amounts of grace from God. We might finally ask the question, you know, what, <laughs> Lord, if I'm, okay, I'm willing to live in this way. I'm willing to respond to evil in this, this way, these ways that you're describing, but how is this supposed to be constr- like constructive? What, what is accomplished by this? And I think the best way to respond to that is with another question, which is to ask, of these two scenarios and how you might respond to someone who does evil to you, which scenario is most likely to lead to that person's repentance and conversion. Scenario A, I fight fire with fire, they inflict evil on me, I inflict evil on them, tit for tat. Or scenario two, I receive the evil from this person, I soak it up like a sponge, I don't react in kind, and not only that, But I turn around, and I do good to them. And then when I go to sleep at night, I pray for them. Which of those is most likely going to change the heart of our persecutor? Hopefully the answer is obvious. Now just, if it's helpful, A quick side tangent. Many people might have some objections and exceptions rolling around in their heads, so it's helpful to clear up. Sometimes we do have to get out of a situation of suffering. Something like domestic abuse, for example, would be one of those situations. When there are legal structures of evil in a society, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight to correct unjust laws, such as legalized abortion and other things, right? So there are are exceptions to this. Prudence Prudence has to govern all things. But the radical nature of this teaching, uh, it still remains. So back to this point, the most likely scenario in which my brother might be converted is not by fighting back, but is by receiving what he's giving me. I want to read to you just a very short passage in closing from uh, commentary on, on the Sermon on the Mount that describes in a very beautiful way this reality that Doing what Jesus says may lead to the conversion of my brother. It says, If I pluck out your eye because you have plucked out mine first, then the world is short two eyes instead of only one, and we will soon have a society of blind men. The willingness to surprise our adversary with compassion, with love, with forgiveness, performs a far more efficient and constructive task. It puts evildoers at the risk of being converted. Because after my enemy has slapped both my cheeks, he will have run out of cheeks to slap, and perhaps he will be ashamed. After I have given him both tunic and coat, he will perhaps learn to have pity on my nakedness. If I go the second mile with him, perhaps this will give us both the needed time and shared experience to pass from animosity to friendship. Perhaps my open hands and silent mouth become the most eloquent of teachers, and I will have won a brother in the Lord." This teaching of Jesus is extremely demanding, but the grace that He gives us to live it out is also extreme. So let us put our trust in His grace and not in our own strength.